Welcome to the Fulfilled Podcast. The podcast designed to spark fundraising inspiration for your nonprofit through thought-provoking interviews with world-leading fundraising experts. Fulfilled brings a unique interview style approach where we ask the most important questions of our expert guests to help nonprofits excel in their fundraising efforts. Feel inspired and feel fulfilled with knowledge so your nonprofit can continue to make a positive impact and create change for a better world. Hi everyone, Jake here from Fulfilled. Today I'm very excited to be talking all things digital with the head of digital marketing at the Prince's Trust in the UK, Donna White. Donna is also a passionate blogger, was also voted one of the top 10 BAME charity digital leaders and is a charity comms mentor to other aspiring fundraising leaders. Donna, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so great to have you here and thank you so much for joining us again and it's um, you don't get much further away from New Zealand than being in the UK so it really is great to have you here um, <laughs> but to get started tell us about the beginning of your digital career and how this led you to working in the, in the non-profit sector. Yeah so I actually started um, my career in PR and communications working across public sector clients and then later in the food drink and hospitality trade um, and I sort of recognise the importance of sort of content and messaging and really being on brand. Um, and from there, I actually decided to move away from uh, PR and wanted to transition into um, non-profit. So knocked on the door of the charity which I work for now, the Prince's Trust, and was able to look after their South region. Uh, communications which um, was very busy because it covers London as part of that and got some great experience working um, on a number of like royal visits and uh, arranging sort of uh, press and photo shoots uh, with our young people and really telling their stories but then there was an opportunity that came up in the digital room which was sort of through the next office door and it always seemed really exciting um, and I took that opportunity on and haven't looked back really. It was a real moment for me to go from, okay, as PR and comms, which is really important, I'm relying on other people to publish my stories and sort of uh, share the news for me. By working digital, we can self-publish. We are our own content creators. Um, efficient, speedy, and um, reactive and proactive, which is what I liked. Um, very fast-paced. So that's why I've been sort of really investing in digital ever since. Wow, that's incredible. And what stands out as one of your greatest learnings from a mistake that you've made in the past as it relates to applying fundraising best practice? Yeah, so, I mean always learning, always testing and learning when it comes to digital. But I think one of the things that I've learned um, is not to put too many uh, ingredients into your fundraising campaign. You know, a good cake, <laughs> a classic sponge, Victoria sponge, you can't go wrong with that. You don't always need all of the sprinkles every time. And to apply that to something which I've been working on um, over the past year, is we had a really great campaign moment. We had some research, uh, we had celebrity ambassadors involved, um, we had uh, corporate partner uh, sponsorship, but then everything got a little bit convoluted when we started adding competition mechanics, um, adding in um, unnecessary um, sort of 
storytelling, which really diluted the fundraising message. There was so much for people to work through. Um, actually, by the time we sort of said, you know, please, would you like to give some money to our charity? It was no surprise that that was lost or was really hard to hold on to. One of our biggest challenges um, at the moment is people recognising that we are a youth charity which relies completely on sort of, you know, public funding. Um, so it's always really important to get that message across. And when the name of your charity doesn't necessarily encompass what you do either, Prince's Trust, we don't talk about young people, so it's not incredibly clear um, in that alone then we weren't educating uh, people at the same time. So for me, it's less is more. Add the sprinkles on when you're sure everything else is seamless. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. And what would you say has made the biggest impact on the organization's fundraising efforts to date? Well, <laughs> I couldn't get through this podcast with, without referring to the pandemic, I suppose. I mean, that has been such a big uh, impact on us. I mean, traditionally, um, we, our model is around sort of working with um, sort of trusts, philanthropists, corporate donors, major donors. So that's where the bulk of our um, sort of makeup is currently at. And we tended to support that through fundraising with having some really nice grand um, events, you know, large scale um, ballrooms, galas, et cetera. And it was always really grand and exciting. But the pandemic has really pivoted that, you know, as you all appreciate, everything's gone online. That's why I can talk to you like this today. Um, and that was, was fine. And we were able to sort of work through that in the interim. But I think what now is teaching us that our events portfolio really has to um, adapt accordingly. And through that, we're actually looking for more opportunities to tap into the general public. So getting behind this individual giving. It was always there within our organisation, but it just hasn't been a big part of our makeup. So now we're looking at, rather than talking to companies as a whole, it's how can we make those really personal one-to-one -one connections? How can we make Joe Blogs on the street feel really connected to helping the next generation? Yeah, and as you mentioned about looking to grow the uh, individual giving portfolio and balancing that with what you are saying before about not a adding all the sprinkles in um, or as tempting as it can be. Where do you see opportunities exist in the individual giving portfolio to raise more funds? Well, I definitely think um, it's through sort of digital means and, and tapping into sort of what people already care about and are already doing. Um, so for us, I know it sounds sort of really simple, but we are in our infancy here. So we are starting small. It's things like Facebook fundraisers. It's people have birthdays. People actually like to give back on their birthdays. So it's just educating and informing people that the Prince's Trust is a really great way that you can sort of match those two things together. And the opportunity for us is to be really mindful of that we uh, give our supporters the collateral and the content they need to celebrate that and that we're also doing really good stewardship of thanking people and not making sure that any money being raised is going unnoticed whether it's sort of pounds or pence we really want to sort of shout that out and, and thank the person directly make them feel good so everyone in their network knows what they're doing. Um, are you putting in any systems or processes are you putting any of these in place um, to achieve these goals? 
Yeah, so actually um, at the moment we are going to be moving as a marketing team into the fundraising uh, department, which is great, which will align us so much closely. And I think that cross-team collaboration will really make a difference. Not only is there sort of strength in numbers, but there'll be far better alignment with our objectives and goals. And that's not to say that it wasn't possible beforehand, but sometimes if you are literally part of the same family, you're in more meetings and that just means that projects can organically grow and you can sort of just invest and get the best uh, in them at any one time. And from a marketing perspective, that just means that we will always be switched on to sort of fundraising and those needs. So rather than maybe in the past sort of going, oh, that's interesting, but I don't really know how it fits with my colleague over here, we'll be much better prepared to act on that and turn it around rather quickly. Yeah, and that might tie into this next question as well and do approach this next question with caution, I guess. But you're the senior head of digital marketing, uh, which we've already covered. What have been some of your biggest challenges in your role specifically? Yeah, there's a a couple of challenges. Um, So one is um, fundraising is just one half of our our job. The the second half is actually recruiting young people and getting them to sign up to our programs. And these two things really need to be working in tandem. We need to raise the money to put on the programs and we need young people to fill up those spaces. But what we've been doing over the last um, 12 months is really sort of trying to perfect that youth recruitment model. We've been working in a much more agile fashion in a sprint cycle with our scrum team of, of marketers and really trying to test a number of hypotheses when it comes to our creative advertising to understand sort of what works at what right time and how we can use these uh, channels to diversify the types of young people we work with too. So now we're in a really good space of going, okay, this model seems to be working, we're learning and getting much intel all the time. How can we replicate that to uh, creating sort of quick wins on the fundraising side too? So I definitely see, although it's a challenge having your time split, the learnings will sort of feed into fundraising. But secondly, I think just the biggest challenge is knowing the right things to say yes to. When you work in digital, everyone seems to want a little bit of <laughs> a bit from you, a bit of a slice of the cake. And um, it can be difficult. You can sort of slip down a rabbit hole and you've got to really think, how is this playing into the bigger picture? How am I um, changing uh, business processes for the better? How is the data that I'm going to be collecting going to help us make uh, better project decisions in the future? You've got to have that long-term view. Otherwise, um, you'll just end up with a a lot of advertising campaigns that aren't really pulling in the same direction. There'll be many small nonprofits that won't be familiar with agile frameworks and doing sprints um, for their fundraising efforts. Uh, Do you think this is an effective way to be doing fundraising? I think that agile is going to become a more effective way to be doing fundraising Um, and I think that's because um, you know smaller non-profits or whether you're a larger non-profit and you're just trying something new for the first time it allows you to have that space to think and deliver in a really quick and effective way and if things aren't going to work you can fail fast it's about not maybe necessarily investing everything you have in one pot at one time. It's about divvying those things up, 
really understanding your audience, trying to get those personalized and tailored journeys down. And then if you spot something working over there, it's thinking about how can I optimize this? How can I scale this up and maybe introduce it to even more segments in the future? So I think absolutely having that uh, breadth of thinking, having that room for opportunity and to allow ideas and projects to breathe, I think that's going to be a really important way going forward. Yeah, it sounds like a very forward thinking approach that your organization has as it comes to managing the team. I mean, I've worked in agile before, but never in the nonprofit sector. So it's quite interesting to hear that. And um, yeah, it sounds quite refreshing the way that you explain it, being able to test and fail fast and see the results and um, see opportunities to exist to move forward. So how does digital play a role in the overall fundraising strategy at the Princess Trust? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's at the bedrock of it because actually all of our digital systems is what allows us to create these meaningful and authentic supported journeys. So whether that's through sort of email communications, whether that's keeping people up to date through our social media channels, or even just having um, sort of really clear um, donation stories on our website everything comes back to uh, digital, which is great. But I think one of the things which we need to be really mindful of is um, there are so many ways to give to charities. I think at one point we were totting things up the other day and there's sort of over 30 ways to donate to the Prince's Trust, whether that's directly or indirectly, perhaps through like a third party partner when you might be sort of shopping on a website and you can sort of give it checkout. And that's great. And it gives us that, um, you know, breadth of opportunity. But it also just needs to be audited every now and then. Make sure that you know the hierarchy of, of where um, customers or um, supporters will be coming in from. Um, you don't want to give them too many uh, paths to walk. People might get lost. And what would you say have been the most successful paths or successful channels um, to the success of your fundraising efforts in digital? Yeah, I'd say in digital. Um, so I'll be really honest, like we're still sort of learning and developing that confidence in sort of what works. Um, but there's definitely been some um, sort of successes around sort of uh, Facebook advertising when just we can be really targeted about um, people's hobbies, interests and preferences so we can really cross over into their world. I'd say display advertising is always really good for us so that we make sure that we are matching against um, sort of various articles. But I'd say one of the things which we are most excited about and, and love to use more of is just basic lead generation um, through sort of various social media platforms. So we're not always starting with, hey, can you give us some cash today? Young people need your help. Um, but we can say, this is who we are. Find out more about what we do and let us take you on a journey. And we can start to build up trust and loyalty with them through um, an email uh, journey. And that might not even talk about sort of uh, cash as a sort of donation uh, prospect in the early stages. It could be around asking them to read a report. It could be about um, helping them to understand the value of their time through mentoring and showing them that there's other ways that they can make a difference too. 
Yeah, that, no, that sounds great. And you also put a lot of emphasis on the content uh, that's created for online distribution, as you would with a, any lead generation campaign. But how can content be created to grab people's attention and drive them to take action? Yeah, so content is definitely your enabler um, for all things. And I think you just um, always need to keep it short, sharp and simple. I mean, I don't know about you, but my attention span is getting really shorter, particularly as we're sort of always working from home. So get to the point and get there quickly. But another good point for us is know how you want your audience to feel. Um, and make sure you're really clear on whether you are telling them something or whether you are selling them something. I mean, the, the content, the tone, the feeling will be, will be so um, significantly different. And there's a space for all of those, but don't feel um, compelled to do everything in one go. I think that's what one of my biggest learnings has been actually sort of working in the nonprofit sector, is that sometimes because your budgets are slightly different to the profit world, you can feel um, under pressure that you know your one campaign of the moment has to do everything it needs to raise awareness it needs to grow your fundraising um, and you want to see your sort of uh, tracking on the brand index go up as a result of this and i just firmly believe that actually content done well just one thing alone um, little and often is is better than the big bang such a great way of putting it and uh what important metrics are you looking for as a digital marketer working in fundraising? And how does your team use this data as part of the fundraising strategy? Yeah. So for me and my team, we're looking at um, sort of uh, website visits and click-through rates, uh, particularly um, on our donation pages. And when we have a particular sort of form in place to capture data, we're trying to sort of see how far people are getting along that journey. Where in the form were they sort of dropping off? Why were they not progressing all the way to submission? Um, so we can get really sort of granular into that world. And, and that's really helpful because it means that we can get a working group on there to try and unpick some problems. We might go back to our technology team to sort of uh, streamline those forms further or we might work with uh, some sort of uh, user experience um, experts to help sort of create a better navigation but all of this information is fed back into our um, supporter journeys team and they do quite a lot of research sort of in-house and we also work with external research agencies to really get sort of on the ground feedback about whether what we're seeing from a digital perspective matches up with what our audiences are thinking and feeling about the organization in itself. Are there any, what are your favorite tools when you're working in the digital fundraising space? Do you have any tools that you, or software that you just can't live without? Um, question, what, what can't we live without? Um, do you know what? I really just like our, um, email software so we use dot digital um, and i just find it sort of really versatile um, it's helpful for me as a digital leader because it's so easy to use that actually a lot of people within the organization can self-serve previously when we've had tools they've been really like clunky maybe sort of 
um, incredibly HTML based. And it just meant that digital were doing lots and lots of comms where we didn't need to be. We want to be the gatekeepers of the brand, but we don't need to be uh, creating every single piece of uh, communications from scratch. So this has enabled uh, people from events, fundraising, etc., in order to build their own. It comes past us and we can just really make sure that we are adding value rather than doing the doing. We can pivot to become digital consultants and, and make sure that the best emails are going out possible. Uh, you also mentioned about um, making the best use of your time. And you also mentioned as well, just about using external suppliers. How do you best manage your time in your role? And, and what do you look to outsource and what do you look to keep in-house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me personally, I try to make sure that I have like at least one golden hour a day. Um, That's important for me, not just because it breaks up a series of back to back meetings, but it just gives me that creative and strategic thinking time. Um, It's incredible just, you know, from working from home, I didn't realise that actually sometimes a quick walk around the block or you know in between meetings and going to grab a coffee that's where all the ideas came from they don't come from sort of sitting in front of your computer so give yourself time um, to help sort of manage that also agenda-led meeting so it's clear on sort of what's expected from me and what a good contribution looks like sometimes you need to be quite stern no agenda no presence <laughs> Um, But when it comes to sort of outsourcing um, work, um, we take a sort of blended approach when it comes to outsourcing video shoots, graphic design, etc. And it can depend on the um, scale of the event or the project that we're working on. Um, Sometimes if things are going to be over sort of a matter of months, then that's probably best done um, outside of um, our organisation. But I think one thing which we do also like to invest in, and I think this is really important for other charities, and I just recommend whether you're big or small, is to um, look at all of your partnerships with fresh eyes and where can you get that media and marketing support from. So we've got a great uh, network of partners where we were able to tap into them for some pro bono advertising, uh, creative uh, support, uh, perhaps some consultancy around sort of our design. And that really helps us in the um, planning um, sections of of our projects. For any organisations new to the area or concept of digital fundraising, where is the best place to start in planning your first digital fundraising strategy? Yeah, so I would say definitely don't do it in isolation. I mean, no strategy should be written by one person alone. So find out who the best people around you in your organization are, who do you want to be linking in with, who has a voice around that table and get them involved. And that's really important because people need to feel a sense of ownership over what's going into this strategy. If you just write something down and hand it to them, if that was me, I'd just be like, oh thanks and give it back (laughs) people want to feel like they are empowered to make a difference in this area so definitely get the right people and look at what you can be doing now and what you want to be doing in the future and don't necessarily be put off by what you don't know I mean digital is changing all of the time so even a digital expert has a few down days where they're having to do a lot of research embrace your vision 
Um, be comfortable with what you don't know, but try to understand what steps you need to take in order to get there. And if you stumble across any risks or dependencies, that's okay. You can problem solve later. Not everything has to be worked out at the time. So going back to my earlier answer, if you don't know it, who do you know that might be able to help you? And that could be a partner who's already really plugged into your organization. And then once you have what you think is a strategy, socialize it, get it out there. Don't leave it to become a dusty document uh, on the shelf, but bring it into meetings, talk about it. And that's key because as you probably are aware, most strategies need to be flexible because you never know when something's gonna hit and everything's gonna need to sort of change it up. And that doesn't mean that the strategy goes out the window, it means you go back to it again. What do we need to change? What is still relevant? But make sure you keep coming back to that underlying uh, objective of what, where you were trying to head to. Yeah. So, and and do you think that's where organisations succeed in making an impact in their digital efforts? They know how to inspire people who know how to do certain things and bring them into the fold and encourage them and motivate a team essentially from scratch to um, bring their vision to life. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what I'm learning at the moment is that, yes, I work in digital and that's fantastic and I love it and I might be a specialist in that area, but digital's for everyone. And actually for a strategy to work, I need as many people within the organisation to be talking about digital. That's not you know, diluting what I do or means that I'm displacing myself as an expert actually just means that the right things are being embedded into our culture. So absolutely. And when you look back at your time at the Prince's Trust, what stands out as one of your most successful campaigns to be part of and what went into making this a success? Yeah. So one of the things which I'm really excited about at the Trust is our recognition of um, supporting young women. So there's lots of statistics which say that young women who are unemployed are sort of more likely to face um, adversities compared to sort of young men. Um, so we have a committee, Women Supporting Women, which is a group of um, philanthropists who are committed to help leveling the playing field in that way so for them international women's day is such a key uh, event so every march we uh, run a campaign which is fantastic and as part of that campaign we onboard retailers people who sometimes haven't worked with us in the past and they pledge to create products for the prince's trust and engage their employees and their customers about what we do and why women supporting women is so important. So for that campaign, we make sure that we create an epic content pack for these retailers so that they can create campaigns to engage all of their audiences and bring them onto the fold. And that can include research, assets, social media tweets, um, PR messages, uh, press releases, videos, etc. It's a great hub where everything they need to know is there and it's adaptable and flexible. We also host some online events so that we can bring them on the journey and show them real life examples of how they're making a difference. And um, it really just helps to sort of strengthen our partnerships. And in this year, so 2021, um, we actually raised more than £500,000 over the course of this International Women's Day campaign. But what made it successful is that, I believe, 
we're tapping into equality, diversity and inclusion. So for us, that is a really key uh, point for most businesses at the moment. So it's really topical and, and relevant. We put the tools in place for uh, individual retailers to create flexible campaigns. So we weren't prescriptive. We weren't trying to control each and every individual message, but we were confident that what we had provided would create some consistency, which was fantastic. It was an integrated campaign. So it champions digital marketing and comms. It fed into a global um, event, International Women's Day, so we were able to be part of a conversation and bring some new news into that area too, to try and stand out. And because of that, it was also time sensitive. So a lot of the products that were being created were limited edition. So it gave us that extra hook to say, you've got to act now. And when we are working uh, with brands um, like John Lewis, for example, um, who are, you know, not really always on our radar for us to say to their customers, get this before it runs out is a really great message and we can follow up afterwards, and bring them on the journey. Well, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing insight into that. It sounds like it was a wonderful campaign and a lot of work and thought went into that. And it's so great to hear that. And even outside of the work you do at the Prince's Trust, you're also a blogger, you're a charity comms mentor, and you're voted as a top 10 BAME charity digital leader. What makes you passionate about the great work that you're doing? I am just always learning. I think I'm just like a student that never graduates. I just love to see work as a learning opportunity. Um, and I just embrace that. And that keeps me passionate, keeps me curious. And I think if you can sort of keep asking yourself questions about who you are, what you do and how you're making a difference, then, then the passion will sort of always be there. Um, so for me, um, a good day at work isn't necessarily about sort of what meetings I've led or presentations I've created or maybe even projects I've worked on. I know when I've had a good day because I've learned something new and then I'm on the phone to someone going, did you know this is how that works? Or did you know, you know, this is how that got started or a campaign like this was run, you know, in a really great way a few years ago. It's uncovering new stuff. And yeah, for me, once I've reached expert level <laughs> at something, it probably means I'm, I'm done and I don't ever want to be done. Wow, that sounds great. Always learning. That's such a great way of putting it and always be uh, forever be a learner. So what's generally your advice to others starting their fundraising careers on how to plan for a successful career? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I would say, first and foremost, like don't worry if you don't have it all figured out. Um, actually, that's probably the best way. I think I've worked with perhaps people in the past and they've been so dead set on this is the way that their career needs to be. Um, and I know that, you know, personally, life isn't always a straight line. You've got to be prepared for the zigzags. Um, so lean into that where you can look for opportunities and know that sideways opportunities can always lead to an upwards climb eventually. Okay, um, sometimes people think it's a bit of a defeat or perhaps it's not worth it or it's not the right type of investment. But again, if you're keen to learn, learn something else and bring that with you into your next role or bring that with you into your next opportunity. I also look for companies that are open to having a conversation about what you want to do. 
So yes, you can see the job description and that's fantastic and that's what we have to do and we get paid for. But a good company will sort of want to help feed your ambition and your hunger and allow you to work on sort of side projects and be proactive. And I think that's always um, you know, something that should be celebrated. And as well as being a lifelong learner, I guess we could put this as a, um, a job interview question to you, Donna White. What are you next striving for in the work you do in the next 10 years? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I think one thing which I'm uh, striving for is to become a lot more adept at using my skills to support the equality, diversity and inclusion conversation. I think there is so much opportunity for that. Um, not just in digital, not just in fundraising, but across the board. And I think if you can um, develop skills which show that you are um, able to talk to different kinds of people, conduct listening exercises and feed that information back into the work and the campaigns that you're doing to make them as representative as possible, then I think you're onto a really good thing here. Um, at the moment, it can seem like quite a, a buzzword and everyone's trying to embrace it. And that's fantastic. But the goal is that this needs to just be threaded throughout. It just needs to be a part of what we do. So early adopters um, will hopefully benefit from that. And I think I'm trying to sort of bring as much EDI um, uh, sort of work into my work, into my agenda as possible. Well, it sounds like a really key area. How can small organizations or nonprofits, or just any nonprofits, be better at um, including EDI into their framework? Yeah, it's it's really important. And I'd say it can sort of seem quite daunting. But the best thing that you can do is probably look at the uh, audiences you have around you. So start with your nearest and dearest. Who are your colleagues that you can speak to? Um, who are your supporters that you can speak to and just ask people for advice informal focus groups um, or you know one-to-one -one conversations start a bit of a listening exercise understand your strengths as a business and your weaknesses and be prepared to feel uncomfortable in that space as well because actually once you start to get uncomfortable and start to own that uncomfort then you can start to look at what solutions you can put in place and those solutions don't need to be turned around sort of really quickly actually it's better if they are long term because it shows that you're serious about it you can start to just see um, patterns and how you can uh, start threading things together whether that's through people projects recruitment retention um, everything's sort of all interlinked so i'd say yeah sort of find out where you are <laughs> in that space and sometimes I don't think you can answer that yourself you need to ask others to help you answer that so bring the right people in um, and then start putting a few pillars together um, and then grouping tasks and trying to get uh, some people to progress those such a great way of putting it well we are down to the final question Donna and I wanted to say quickly before then thank you so much for coming on Fulfilled today it's been truly insightful oh good <laughs> What's your final piece of advice to inspire and fulfill fundraisers to make a positive impact and create change for a better world? So my piece of advice is just be ambitious. Don't be put off by limitations or restrictions or budgets. 
you've got to think big in order to be able to get to the practical and i think that's what people want around you as well people want to be inspired so have those big targets have those big numbers and don't be daunted by them be challenged by them but in a great way because i think that's where you start to get the best from the people around you and that's where you start to bring people along the journey with you as well so stay curious and be ambitious great advice donna thank you so much Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it.